Thank you for tuning in to Island Church Galveston's podcast. Today's podcast message is from Island Church's 2019 Fall Harvest Conference. Be blessed and encouraged by today's message. Wow, what an honor. What an honor to be here. I, I, I came to Galveston when I was a little bitty boy and uh, hadn't been back since. And uh, I, I missed something. Amanda and I missed something. We love it here. Uh, we could, we're going to go home, resign Sunday, and just going to come back here. <laughs> and she's already picked out a place for a hot dog stand right out here. <laughs> I'm from Nashville. Anybody ever been to Nashville? We're from Nashville, and uh, everybody in Nashville has a guitar and a, and a song. Everybody has a guitar and a song. And uh, I kept a list of songs that I heard for years, song titles, crazy song titles. Pastor reminded me of that today at lunch. He said, don't you have a list of titles of songs? I said, yeah, I do. I'll see you. And I found them. They are in my Bible. They're next to John 3.16 in my Bible. (laughs) The top five craziest songs written in Nashville. Number five. Titles of the songs. Titles. Number five, You're the Reason Our Kids Are Ugly. That's a title of a song. (laughs) He was having a bad day. (laughs) Number four, You Ain't Much Fun Since I Quit Drinking. (laughs) Honestly, this is true, the titles of songs. This is my favorite. It's number three. If my nose was running money, honey, I'd blow it all on you. (laughs) And people spend thousands of dollars to hear these songs. Number two, if you can't live without me, why aren't you dead? Revelation comes. And then the number one song that I've heard, that uh, country song, number one, I went back to my fourth wife for the third time and gave her a second chance to make a first-class fool out of me. (laughs) Gee, man. I tell you, we were from Nashville. What an honor to be at uh, this wonderful church. Pastor Mark, about five years ago, said, have you met Pastor Rusty Martin? I said, no, I don't don't think I have. And he shared with me, he said, this man has an anointing upon his life. He operates in the gifts of the Spirit more consistently than just about anybody we know. And I said, man, I want to meet this guy. And uh, boy, every time we go and get to hear him, I, I'm so excited because I get all kind of materials for, for messages. In fact, at Fire for the Nations this past summer, I, he, he preached on Cornelius. I, I tell you, I took that back, and I massaged that thing. And I, my people know Cornelius like they've never known Cornelius before. One guy came up, he said, man, where did you get that? I said, the Holy Ghost. And... Well, the Holy Ghost gave it to him and then gave it to me. Man, I love to hear your pastor. Man, I get all kind of stuff. And this morning, Sam, Sam Carr, on, I mean, I've already got one working on that one. I love coming to hear these guys. I don't have to study for three months. It's just, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And y'all think I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding at all. It's an honor. It's an honor just to be for Amanda and I, in all seriousness, it's an honor for Amanda and I to be in the same room with Mark Brzee. He, uh, Mark Brzee, we met him in 1990, I think it was. And uh, our friendship with him has it changed our life and the trajectory of our life. And, and uh, we count him our dear friend and a mentor 
in the faith. If you have your Bibles, turn to John 14. Don't you, uh, man, wasn't that worship team good? Man, that wor- I took, I videoed them this morning. I, the, the drummer, where's the drummer at? Where, where's the drummer? Hey, drummer. Man, I got so blessed watching him because he drums and worships. You know, I took a video of that just to send to my drummers. You can worship and drum. I mean, it, it blessed me. It blessed me. I did have a problem tonight, though, I mean, with him. He, you know, anytime a skinny guy wears suspenders, <laughs> he's showing out. He, he don't need them. He don't need them. It's not a need in his life. So I, my, my, I chained. I, I was, I was in love with the guy. Really thought a lot of him this morning, but he came out with them suspenders tonight. Nah. It's a show. It's a show. I just noticed things. I, pa- Pastor Rusty shared. He said the Lord, when he'll read a scripture and these words just jump out at, at him and. And, uh, and I, that's what happens to me on the opposite side. When I, when I see people, things just jump out at me when I see them. I want to thank your church. Uh, Amanda and I were district superintendents of the Assemblies of God for the state of Tennessee for five years. And so we were responsible for 225 churches and about 650, 700 ministers. Uh, uh, and uh, we, we studied churches and we studied ministers. And I just want to thank you, the, the people of this great church, because when you walk in the door, you sense expectancy. And, and we've been to dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of churches of all types and all themes. And uh, what you have here is, and I'm not saying that because I'm the guest speaker. I, I look forward to coming tonight because there's an expectancy. There's, and, and the people are friendly. You are friendly. You are genuinely friendly. And, uh, you know, people, people form. They tell us that people will, will determine in the first uh, 15 minutes when they come on your property whether they're coming back or not. Visitors will determine whether they're coming back or not within the first 15 minutes. So what they're telling us is they know if they're coming back to give your church another try, regardless of what happens on the platform. The first 15 minutes, they'll determine. And your friendliness and the spirit that's on this campus here is really exceptional. And uh, I just want to thank you to the church family because you have, uh, that, that's a blessing to us. John chapter, John chapter 14, verse 16. Uh, tomorrow morning, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about the thought life. Uh, that's the area the Lord's really, uh, uh, really dealt uh, with us over, over the last uh, uh, 20 or 30 years, the thought life. So we'll talk a l- little bit about that in the morning. But I want to go in a little different direction tonight. I want to talk to you about it's great living life with a holy helper. It's great living life with a holy helper. And, uh, and, and, and I'm not talking about my beautiful blonde wife of 39 years. If, if I was talking about her, I'd say it's a party being married to a blonde every single day. But I'm not talking about her. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. It's great living life with a holy helper. Look at John chapter 14, verse 16. And I will pray. Jesus is saying, I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask the Father. And He will give you another helper. Everybody say helper. And He will abide with you forever. Um, God has always said man needs a helper. You go back to the book of beginnings, the book of Genesis. Turn over to Genesis chapter 2. How many brought your Bibles? Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18. Genesis chapter 2, verse number 18. You go back to the book of the beginnings, and God's always said man needed a helper. Notice what God said in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. 
Now, what's amazing about this chapter, and you've heard your pastor preach on it many times, but what's amazing about this, God said everything was good, everything good, everything good, everything good. And then he got to man and he says, it's not good that you'll be alone. And what's amazing and interesting is God says, we've got a problem here and it's not something I created. We don't have a flaw with something I created. He says, I have a flaw here and that I had not created enough yet. Okay, I have not created enough yet. So God says to him, I will make a helper comparable to you. Now, you know, just thinking about it, here's Adam in the Garden of Eden. He's in a perfect environment. He's got perfect health. There's no sin there. There's no sickness there. He's got beauty all around him. He's got purpose in life. God told him to tend to the garden, manage it, subdue it. He has purpose in life. He has health. He has all the wonderful food he can eat. He's got got anything. He has no need. And yet God says, you need a helper. Now why in the world when a man who's got it all need a helper? It's like my son, he just got married a couple years ago at the age of 30. And he lived on a houseboat. He had a sports car. He had a Harley Davidson. And uh, uh, see what else? He had a ski boat. He had a Mastercraft ski boat. He lived on a houseboat. He had a Harley Davidson. He drove a Nissan 370Z sports car. And he got married. Today he drives a rogue. <laughs> and all of his guy friends says, what is wrong with you? What do you? Why did you do that? You had it made. And he needed a helper. Yeah. Now, if a man who needs a, who's got it all, and God says, you, don't, you, you still are lacking something, you need a helper. Why would he need a helper? Well, God went on to tell us years later through the wisest man of the Old Testament, Solomon, why he needed a helper. Turn with me to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse number 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse number 9. Why did Adam need a helper? Two people are better than one. For they can help each other, what? Succeed. For if one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Verse 11, likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But two can stand back to back and conquer. So why do you need helper? So he could succeed. Do you know God wants you to succeed? He wants you blessed in life. You know that. You've been taught that. Those are members of this church. But He wants you blessed. He wants you to succeed. And to do that, you've got to have a helper. It's always been God's will to give man a helper. It's always been God's will. He gave him a natural helper, a woman. But then God gives us spiritual help. And the first help that God gave man was the law was the law of God. When mankind sinned and fellowship was broken with God, God sent a helper, and that helper was the law. Or we would, let's, we'd say it easily, the Ten Commandments. And the Ten Commandments didn't restore relationship with God. It just helped man stay within the boundaries to keep from experiencing the judgment of God. It didn't give back to man what Adam lost, but at least it kept man in the game. So God gave man the helper a law. Turn, let me prove it to you from Scripture. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. I like reading out the New Living Translation. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 23 says this, Before the way, before the way of faith in Christ was available to us. Before the way of faith in Christ was available to us, we were placed under guard by the law. We were kept in protective custody, so to speak, until the way of faith was revealed. Verse 24, it says it this way. Paul says, let me put it another way. The law was our guardian. It kept us in the game. It watched over us. It protected us until Christ came. 
It protected us until we could be made right with God through faith. So God gave us the law, the Ten Commandments. That was our helper. Galatians 3.24 in the New King James Version says this, Therefore the law was our tutor. One translation says the law was our schoolmaster. We'd say it was our helper. The law was our helper to bring us to Christ that we may justified by, be justified by faith. So the law was our first helper. That didn't restore relationship. It didn't store, restore fellowship. It didn't restore authority back to mankind. So God said, that's not good enough. I need to send you another helper. So the Lord sends Jesus. Jesus became our helper. Galatians chapter 4. Turn to Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. Galatians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. But when the right time came, aren't you glad the right time came? I'm telling you, the right time's coming right now also for the harvest of, the, of America. The right time is coming. But when the right time came, God sent His Son, born of a woman, subject to the law. This is the New Living Translation. God sent Him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that we could adopt, He could adopt us as His very own children. God wanted relationship with man again. Man couldn't get it on his own, so God sent Jesus. And Jesus was our helper. He restored relationship to mankind with God. Jesus not only did that, Jesus helped us see the character and nature of God. We couldn't have known what God was like if it hadn't been Jesus helping us. Remember, Jesus said it this way. He said, the things I say, God says. The things you see me do, they're just what God does. You see me, you see God. So when people say, what's God look like? We know we tell them about Jesus because Jesus showed us the character. He helped us to see the character and the nature of God. Jesus helped us overcome the greatest fear known to man, and that's the fear of death. He, we couldn't overcome it. We were slaves to the fear of death. We couldn't overcome it without help. Jesus helped us overcome it. Look at Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Hebrews 2, 14 and 15. Because God's children are human beings. New Living Translation. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could He die, and only by dying could He break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could He set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We, could, we were slaves to the fear of dying. What happens when we die? What happens? We were slaves to that. And God helped us overcome the fear of death. Not only that, Jesus helped us help mankind be restored to right relationship with God. You know this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 21. New Living Translation, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the made the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. It's called the divine exchange. God took our sin. He gave us His righteousness. That's a pretty good deal. Um, he helped us. We couldn't do that. We couldn't be good enough. We couldn't say enough good things. We couldn't confess, couldn't confess enough. We couldn't kill enough animals to offer a sacrifice. We couldn't live holy enough. We could not do anything on our own, no matter what we tried, to be back in right relationship with God. So God sent a helper to help us, and His name was Jesus. Jesus was our helper. Jesus was our helper then. Jesus died on the cross. He buried in a borrowed tomb, resurrected on the third day, walked on earth, then gets ready to ascend into heaven. And this is what He says to His disciples. Go back to John chapter 14, verse number 16 in the New King James, John 14, 16. And I will pray the Father and He will give you another helper. See, God's always wanting to help us. He's always wanting to help us. He gave us a woman that if you get the right one, it's a great help. 
He gave us the law to keep us from destroying ourselves. He sent Jesus to help us in so many ways. We could spend years talking about all the help Jesus was to us when He walked planet Earth. Jesus died for us, put us back in right relationship with God. And because of that, now Jesus says, I'm getting ready to leave. And the plan of God is still the same to always help you. I'm getting ready to leave, but I'm going to send you another helper. That word another in the original language is very unique. It's very unique because it means one just like me. Okay? One just like me. If I was to say, I, I've, I, I need an a ink pen, and you let me borrow your ink pen, and I'm up here writing with this ink pen, and it runs out of ink, I'd say, does somebody have an, another ink pen I could borrow? And you handed me your ink pen, and I've got an ink pen, but it's not just like this ink pen. Okay? This ink pen's blue. This is your world-famous Bic <laughs> ink pen. And this is your, be careful in the parking lot of Walmart ink pen right here. Okay. <laughs> they're both ink pens. They will do the same thing, but they're not the same. Listen, listen to what Jesus said. Thank you. Jesus says, I'm, gonna, I'm leaving, but I'm sending another one just like me. In fact, you'll not be able to tell the difference. The things I say, he'll say. The things he, I do, he'll do. The way I act, he'll act. The way I speak, he'll speak. The way I comfort, he comforts. He is just like me. I hear it all the time. Oh, I just wished I lived when Jesus lived. I'm going to tell you, we got something better. We live when the one just like Jesus is here. And he said, greater works will you do than I've done because I go to the Father. Why? Because I go to the Father. Because I'm sending a helper just like me. See? So you're not, we're not, at, we're not um, inferior. We're not behind because we're not living when Jesus lived. We've got another helper just like Jesus. Now, listen to... Then he goes on and he identifies who it is. John 14, 26. John 14, 26. He says in verse 16, I'm going to send another helper, one just like me. And then verse 26, he says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit. So he identifies who he is. Whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. I like what the, uh, I like what the Amplified says back about verse four, uh, 16 again. John 14, 16. Listen what the Amplified says in John 14, 16. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another, there's one just like me, helper, comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, standby, to be with you forever. Now, that word comforter, uh, it comes from the original language, parakletos. And that word parakletos is a compound Greek word. And it, it comes from two Greek words. It comes from the word para, which means called alongside. Called alongside. It always refers to geographical location. It always refers to proximity. So listen to what Jesus is uh, saying here. I'm going to send a helper like me who is always in your geographical location. He's always in close proximity to you. That's the word para. But the other word is kaleo, kaleo, kalitas, kaleo, and it means called, uh, to be called, to be called or calling. It doesn't mean to say, holler out, hey, Pastor Russie, come over here and help me. That's not the calling it's talking about. It's talking about intent, purpose, destiny. So listen to what he said. It's like uh, uh, the Apostle Paul said, I was called to be an apostle. It was his purpose in life. It was his intent in life. So listen to what the Holy Spirit, Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send you a comforter. Someone whose purpose for being on earth is to be in close proximity to you. That's their purpose. 
That's why they're here. That's, that's the only reason they've come is to be right up next side of you. That's their calling, their purpose, their intent in life. Now, here's a verse, and I just like the Bible. Don't you like the Bible? It's a pretty good book, isn't it? It's pretty... Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Let me show you something. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, uh, uh, Paul, he, he takes this proximity and this uh, somebody called alongside to us. Uh, he takes it a step further. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number 11. Notice what he says. We're talking about a helper. It's great living life with a holy helper. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Paul says this out of the New Living Translation. New Living Translation. Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage one another. That's a three-part sermon right there. Isn't that? That's a good... Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Verse 12, greet each other with a sacred kiss. The King James says a holy kiss. Okay? All of God's people here send you their greetings. Now look at verse 14. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Now listen to what the New King James Version says of verse number number 14. It says this, The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God... Man, y'all's guy up there is good. How much is he paying you? I will double that. I got guys running my media media that they don't even know where the books of the Bible are. Where is that in pastor? What's it close to? Is that in the front part or the back part? Your guy is fantastic. He don't have any notes. Verse 14 in the New King James Version. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God. And notice what he says. And the communion, the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Now we continually hear about the grace. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Very popular message today. Thank God for it. We're getting revelation on it. And we thank God for the message of grace. We thank God. We hear about that, the grace of the Lord Jesus. We hear that all the time, the grace of the Lord Jesus. And then we hear about the love of God. Every, that's a, love's a Christian word. In every Christian song, it talks about the love of God. Every time you go to church, you'll hear something about the love of God. In every Bible study you ever do, there will be something in there about the love of God. We've been inundated. We've been saturated. We've been consumed with the grace message, and we've been consumed with the love message, and they're wonderful, and they're dynamic, and we need it all. But notice, that's not the, that's not the end of the chapter. He says, and there's one other thing you need to have. It's the communion, the communion of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he's he's the parakletos. His purpose for being here is to be in close proximity to us and somebody who's in close proximity to us continually all the time. That means we have fellowship with them. The word communion is from the Greek word there, koinonia. Koinonia. It has many wonderful meanings, but three of them are communion, fellowship, and partnership. If you think, stop and think about it, Jesus and the Holy Spirit had communion, fellowship, and partnership when Jesus walked planet Earth. I mean, think about it. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, according to Luke chapter 1, verse 35. In Matthew 3.16, it says that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then it says in uh, uh, Matthew 4.1, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit. Then Acts 10.38 says, Jesus healed by the Holy Spirit. Matthew 12.28 says, Jesus cast out demons by the Holy Spirit. Romans 8.11 says, Jesus was resurrected from the dead by the Holy Spirit. I mean, we're talking about 
a, a helper that Jesus had that was in close proximity. Jesus never did anything without him. Never did anything without him. And then we read in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20 that Jesus was seated at the right hand of God the Father by the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is in, was in total communion with this helper. And how many of you know if the Son of God needed the communion, the fellowship of the helper, how much more do we need the fellowship, the communion of the helper? Every time we see Jesus in the gospel, Him and the Holy Spirit, it's Him and the Holy Spirit working. He never did anything on His own. Now, let me share, let me share a truth to, with you as we start to bring this to a close because the pastor said... He told me as we was walking out of the restaurant at lunch that he cooked some what? Gumbo. Now we're going to leave this thing to the Holy Spirit and me and him are going to eat some gumbo. I need him as more than he needs me. He's got, we'll leave Alam here. Alam can help him. Somebody asked me the other day, is he A.G.? I said, what are you? He said, I'm Baptist. I said, well, he's Baptist too. And then a Nazarene pastor said, you know Christopher? I said, yeah. He says, is he A.G.? I said, what are you? He said, I'm Nazarene. He said, he's Nazarene. He's whatever you are. He's whatever you are. He's all things to all people. I'll see him on social media. One day he's in Africa. The next day he's in Mozambique. The next day he's in Hawaii. Three days later he's in Pennsylvania. I'm saying, my goodness, he's like the Holy Ghost. He bloweth where he listeth. You don't know where he's coming from and where he's going. It's an amazing thing. You are the object of the Holy Spirit's love and affection. The Holy Spirit is in love with you. (laughs) He was sent to be your helper and comforter. Think about it. He helped us come to Jesus. He helped us grow as Christians. He helps us witness. He helps us worship. He helps us understand the Word of God. His attention, His gifts, His power, and His Word is all directed toward us. We are the object of His love and affection. (laughs) See, He's been called along. His purpose for being here is just to love on you. That's His calling. And he's is in close proximity. I tell you what, I you know that 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 one gets me. I, I was raised an only child. I'm an only child. I had the whole bed to myself. My parents didn't kiss. I never saw them kiss publicly. I, they never. My dad never told me he loved me publicly. He never told me. I mean, we never touched. You know, it wasn't those. I hated those church service. My granddad was a pastor. Go up, go up, and everybody just hug one another in Jesus' name. And I hated those. You know, I hated those. I, I don't like touching. And then I married this beautiful blonde, and she's the baby of five. And they touch and kiss and hug all the time. They don't even go to the mailbox without hugging one another. Okay? And she's always wanting to touch, and she'd get in the bed, and she wants to snuggle. Now, I'll snuggle a little bit. But that's as long as I want to snuggle. But then I want the bed. Don't, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Don't touch me. In the, in the mornings, in the mornings, she just, oh, give me a hug. Don't, don't touch me. Just leave me alone. Don't touch me. Well, I want you to know the Holy Spirit, he, His purpose is to touch you. He's the paracletus. He's called to get up, snuggle up beside you. You are the object of his love and affection. Now, let me close us down with this passage. Turn with me to the book of James. The book of James. James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse number 1. James chapter 4, verse number 1. James is talking here. 
And, and we're talking about it's great living life with a holy helper. Look at James chapter 4, verse number 1. James says this, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure? The New King James Version says, Do, the, do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Verse 4. It seems like he changes, but he really doesn't. seems like the whole theme changes in verse 4, but it really doesn't. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think... Now look at verse 5. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously. Now, I listen to what the King James Version says. It's the one I learned on years ago. James 4, verse 5. James 4, verse 5 in the King James. It says this, Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Now, if I was to ask you in this room, uh, share with me your favorite Bible verse. I guarantee you, I, I would bet a thousand dollars on it, and, it's, and you say, well, that's, that's wrong. It's wrong to bet. Listen, it's not a sin if you win. All right? And I would win this one. I would bet $1,000 that none of you would have gotten up tonight and said, my favorite verse of Scripture is James 4 or 5. <laughs> you had, you, you, I guarantee you not a one of you in this room have memorized James 4 or 5. In fact, it's one of those scriptures, if you read it in the King James, the Spirit of God that dwelleth in you lusteth to envy. It's one of those scriptures that you just go past. You read it and go past. Am I not right? But notice, there's three words I want you to notice. The word dwelleth. In, in, the, in the original language, that word dwelleth comes from the Greek word that means to make a home. To make a home. And it, and it doesn't mean just to make a home. It means to love your home so much. You were born there. You were raised there. Uh, you worked from there. You, you lived there when you got married. You, you ended up coming back there with you and your wife. You lived there the rest of your life. You raised your children there. It's in the Wizard of Oz movie when Dorothy was clicking her heels and saying, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. It's that type of love and affection for your home. It, 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 and, and the Bible says the spirit that loves living in you. The Spirit of God that loves dwelling in you. It, and listen, that word dwelleth doesn't mean come for a stay and leave. See, a lot of us think the Holy Spirit comes and lives with, it, it treats us like a hotel. He comes on Saturday night and spends the night for Sunday. And then he moves out Monday through Saturday. And then he comes back in on Sunday. That's not talking, it's not talking about dwelling in a hotel. The church put us up, thank you so much, for a, in a beautiful hotel down here, down the street. Well, we came in, we've enjoyed the amenities, and we, but we're leaving on Wednesday. It's not our home. It's not our home. The Bible says here, the spirit that dwelleth, he, it's his home. He loves living in you. 
It's His purpose. For, he don't want to be anywhere else. See, he, he thinks about it all the time. He's, he's going to stay there his whole time. He never thinks about being with nobody else. He wants to be right there with you. The spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth. Hmm. Now that's a strange deal. The spirit lusteth. When we think of lust, we think of something sinful. Sexual lust. Or lust for material things. You know, the word lust there means a craving, a yearning. And it literally means an abnormal craving or yearning. So listen to what the scripture says. Do you not understand that the spirit that lives in you called to be with you, he lives inside of you. It is the joy of his life. It is the place he never wants to leave. It's the place he's in love with. He has a yearning. He has an excessive yearning. It's, it's abnormal he yearns so much. The spirit that dwelleth in you lusteth to envy. That word envy means uh, uh, a jealousy. A jealousy. A jealousy. You say, what in the world does that mean? Well, go back to James chapter 4, verse 1 again. Go back to James chapter 4, verse 1 in the New King James and listen to what he's saying. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Look at verse 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously or lusteth to envy. Listen to what he's saying. Listen to what he's saying. He loves you so much. The Holy Spirit's purpose for being on earth is to be in geographical location to touch you. He dwells inside of you. He's the helper, and He loves being there. It's His home. It's the place He has chosen. He don't want to be anywhere else. Do you realize before you came to know Christ, it was the Holy Spirit who was flirting with you to get you to Christ? He was flirting with you. He's in love with you. You've been attractive to Him ever since you've been on planet earth and your whole life he's been flirting with you trying to entice you to come to Christ sending people across your path to witness to you that was the Holy Spirit flirting with you he's wanting a relationship with you he's wanting to enter into a love walk with you and see he did that for years he flirted with you he flirted with you and then all of a sudden one day you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and when you did he came in and he got what he wanted to make his home inside of you. He makes you, and then all of a sudden you start living for him and he sets up home and he loves being in there and he, you're in love with him. And then all of a sudden your attention gets pulled to other things. Worldly things. Ungodly things. And the Lord, the Holy Spirit says you've committed adultery. Adultery Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that the, when you love the world, you're an enemy with God? What's he saying? The Holy Spirit has gotten grieved because you've forsaken that love walk with him for something else. And he yearns for it back. 
He yearns, he craves for it back. Do you know that's the reason why a person who accepted Jesus and backslides, they are the most miserable because the Holy Spirit is craving on them to come back. They are miserable. Those people are miserable. Everywhere they go, somebody's talking to them about Jesus. Every song they hear is something about Jesus. Every memory they have, somebody's reminding them of something it was like. That's the Holy Spirit craving for them to come back. Do you think the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit that dwelleth in us who loves you so much yearns excessively to the point that he gets jealous when we get our attention on other things that are not him. And we ministers can do that. What did Paul say? Have you begun in the spirit? Why do you think you're going to be made perfect by the flesh? In other words, you started this journey of living for the Lord and working for the Lord with communion of the Holy Spirit. This love relationship. You depended on Him. He helped you. It's what He wants to do. And now all of a sudden, you've got a little knowledge. You've had a little success. And now you just depend on the flesh. You've fallen in love with somebody else. You're looking for somebody else to help you. You're looking for a formula, looking for some money from some people that you know got money, and you're not what you, the love relationship. And the Holy Spirit says, Don't commit adultery. Don't commit adultery. Everybody with me? You are the object of His love and affection. You are the object of his love and affection. Let me tell you something else about him. He gets grieved, but he doesn't get offended. He gets grieved, but he doesn't get offended. I don't know, have you ever had those friends that you're the only friend they can have? If you talk to somebody else, they get mad at you. Anybody ever had those kind of friends? Well, I want you to know the Holy Spirit is almost like that, but he, if you give your attention to somebody else, He won't get mad at you. It will grieve Him. But He won't get mad at you. All you have to do is, is look back His way, and He is so in love with you, He'll take you right back. He'll take you right Why? Because this is a love walk. You are the object of His affection. He loves you. We're not talking theory here. We're not talking about some religious law. We're not talking about a faith formula. We're talking about a walk of love. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. Praise God. You stand it up front. You can go back to your seat real quick. We're going to stay with us for just a few moments. Let's let the Spirit of God do what He desires to do here. What a beautiful message. Wow. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible. Now, hold on, hold on. Let's, let's, let's stay sensitive to what the Spirit of God desires to do. God wants to use you supernaturally to help other people. So the Spirit that empowers and abides in you brings gifts with it. And if ever the church in America needs a restoration of the gifts of the Holy Ghost and the gifts of the Spirit, it's now. I don't know. I call it a phenomenon. I don't know why churches start in such fire and supernatural anointing of the Holy Ghost and when they hit a level of success with thousands of members, they drop it. Like they're embarrassed. Like it's some, you know, uh, across the tracks, you know, backwoods uh, uh, phenomenon that, you know, in, in mass settings should not, should not be in man of... That's not true. I said, that's not true. And I'm telling you, the, God wants to restore the gifts of the Holy Ghost back to the church and back to the people in the church. 
But what happens is we lose our appreciation. Now, while Pastor Eddie was ministering, the Lord just kept rolling this in my spirit. And he, he said, do this this evening as we close the service. We were so privileged, our family, to, to not only just be members of Brother and Sister J.R. Goodwin's church, but to be close friends with them. And then later in life, after Dad Goodwin had passed, we were privileged to be ministered to by Mom Goodwin and mentored in the things of the Spirit. Now, what I had problems with in ministering spiritually was how can someone almost at the drop of a hat minister so accurately in the gifts of the Spirit and it's, uh, I'll give you an example. We were at Guido's at a, at a, just a family dinner. Sister Goodwin was there, some other friends from the church in Pasadena. Uh, my sister was there, my brother and his wife was there. My, Alan, Alan was still away from the Lord at the time. This was back in the, in the uh, mid-80s. Lee and I had been married about a year. And we're sitting at the table, well, a big round table back in the Pelican Club. And Mom Goodwin, she was what? Cheryl may be in her late 70s at the time. And she grabs the table and says this, No, not now. No, she's not talking to anybody but the Holy Ghost in her. And then she says, Okay. And she begins to go around the table and ministering by the Holy Ghost to everyone at the table. Now, here's, here's what I thought later, because I talk, I talk to God about this kind of stuff all the time. I said, Lord, how, how is it that some people... It seems like they strive and strive and strive and work and work and pray and pray. And then all of a sudden they may get, you know, a, a tongue, an interpretation of tongue, word of knowledge or a gift of healing may work. And it's so, it's like it just visits for a minute and leaves. And other people, it's so in them, they can almost turn it on and off. And the Lord spoke to me, fellowship with the spirit that's on the inside of you. That if you don't, number one, appreciate, and then number two, fellowship. all the, And it's more than just praying in tongues. It's the appreciation of the Spirit. God is in you. God, the creator of the universe, abides in you. I'll never forget, the first time I had lunch with Brother Don Osteen, he looked at me, he said, if you could turn loose what's on the inside of you, you could spin the world in the opposite direction and the sun would come up in the west and set in the east. That's how powerful that spirit is on the inside of you. That's how powerful it is. So I believe tonight what we should do, if, if all of our pastors and ministers, if you'll come up, we're going to lay hands and we're going to stir up the gift of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. You've got a gift of the Lord Jesus Christ in ministry. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. Amen. But then there are gifts of the Spirit that need to operate in your ministry. I, I, one of the, uh, Mark, Pastor Mark knows this about me. He and I have become very close friends in, in about the past 12 years. One of the most grievous things that touches my ears when I'm around ministers if I've preached a meeting and the, and the Holy Ghost has graced our meeting and, and we've been blessed by the Spirit of God and a minister will come to me and say I used to flow in that I used to that used to flow in my ministry that grieves my heart so much I think to myself what would you trade it for why is it not flowing now? Why is it even at a greater level now? Why isn't it even more effective now? Because the gifts are not to, to, to bring accolades to the minister. I'll never forget how Mom Goodwin showed Lee and I. She took a, an old envelope, an old letter, and she shook it. And she said, now, Rusty, if there was a $10,000 check in this envelope, you wouldn't take out the check down, take the check out, lay it down, and wave the envelope around and say, look, everybody, at this envelope. Then she pointed at us, and she said, you're the envelope. You're the envelope. The gift is of God. And the gift is to the people, to bless the people, touch the people. L lift your hands. The Spirit of God, there's another level of anointing. C come on, Pastor Mark. Come on, Pastor Mark. Come on, Brother Eddie, if you will. Praise God. Lift your 
You have to have this. You have to have part of the equipping of God. A discerning of spirits where you will see things immediately for the way they are in the spirit realm. And the gift of special faith in operation. Where there's an impossibility that will stare you in the face and you'll say no. And that gift of faith will come into your ministry. It's been there to a measure. Such a, just a measure. Just a measure. But God's going to bring it to another level. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And, And the whole time you've been here, the Spirit of God has been saying, you can do more with less. Because everything right now is saying to you, more, I gotta have more, I gotta have more, I gotta have more. But but that's at the end of the day, that's gonna wear you out. But you can do more with less. You can do more with it. Lay your hands on him right in here. Right in there. Father, now thank you. That's it. That that stirs in a greater measure. That's it. And that which works so well for others works for him tonight. Works for him tonight. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, the most resisted doctrine of the Bible, of the Bible, is the baptism in the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. Literally, the devil after the initial outpourings, first couple of centuries of the church, sent the world into the dark ages because of the suppression of information about the Spirit of God. And when that Spirit began to awaken two, three hundred years ago, mankind began to come out of that. And listen to me, the modern technology we enjoy today is a result of the Spirit of God being activated in this world. In medicine, in science, in just about every area, when the Holy Ghost begin to flow, light begin to come. Light begin to come. We have just gone through, I know the first 20-something years of our ministry, the tail end of the charismatic renewal, the Word of faith, quote, if anybody want to cause it a movement, I don't call it a movement. I believe it's just something we do all the time. But we have literally been in a place for about the past 10 to 15 years in which churches have pulled away from this in mass. I don't know why. It's the same spirit that caused the suppression of this move of the spirit in the book of Acts over 2,000 years ago. But the good news is, there's still a people, there's still a people on this earth that love God unconditionally all the way, the way He loves us. And we want the world not just to know, but to experience Jesus. And we have a mighty helper on the inside and that abides that's going to help us do it we're right i've read several periodicals lately in which people that i have great confidence in have said the same thing we are right on the precipice we're right we've been saying this at island church for the last couple years we are right we're fixing to fall off into something i listened to a prophecy from brother hagan from 1993 prophesying literally the day that we're in in which we're fixing to fall you need to be ready for it You need to be involved in it. You don't want to be a spectator. You want to be a participant. Amen. Thank you, Brother Eddie Turner. Beautiful man. Give give the Lord a hand clap for the gift of God on the inside of you. Now, hold on, hold on. Did you mention that you're going to teach on the mind in the morning? Now, listen. If you've never had any help with your mind, you need to be here in the morning. One of the most profound teachings I've ever heard in my life and one of the most profound experiences that basically will help you get your mind right is ministered by Brother Eddie Turner. And I tell you, you don't want to miss it in the morning. Isn't God good? Let's lift our hands one more time. Father, we worship you. Lord, as we're dismissed tonight, we're aware of your presence. 
Holy Spirit, we appreciate you. We honor you in this house. We honor you in the ministry of pastors, Eddie and Amanda Turner. We honor you in the ministries of all of these other ministers that are here. We honor you in the lives and the hearts of all God's people in this place. We honor your tangibility. We honor that your accessibility. We honor your activity in our midst. For we know what it does. It helps us to glorify and magnify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Thank you for your help tonight. Lord, as we leave tonight, thank you for your protection, your safety upon us. Bless our day tomorrow. Men and women, as they travel back to their homes tonight, thank you that you're with them. Bring us back tomorrow with great expectancy in our heart of that which God shall do in our midst. Thank you for listening to Island Church's 2019 Fall Harvest Conference podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.